Hello, and welcome to the Blogging Business Owner Podcast. I'm your host, Anna. It's good to have you here. This episode may include affiliate links. And remember, this is not legal or financial advice. Now let's start the show. Welcome to the Blogging Business Owner Podcast. This is episode 26. So in order for you to find the show notes, you would go to bloggingbusinessowner.com slash 26. And today's topic is how to successfully plan a content calendar. I do want to apologize in advance because I do have the dishwasher on and I'm sorry. (laughs) How to successfully plan a content calendar. I love this topic because I just feel like content calendars can be overlooked. I feel like it is a lot of work to think about a content calendar to then draft it up and then keep up with it. But once you have it set up, it's so much easier for you to run your business because you have content that is, you know, coming up again and again, and you're also able to look back and see your content management and what you've gone back to, you know, repurpose or reuse or remaster, and then, you know, what you haven't looked at in the past uh, from your past articles. So it makes it really easy. I know for me, uh, I'm recording this in July, and I have my content calendar mapped till December. Now, there is a lot of wiggle room for myself that I built into my content calendar, but there is a lot of structure as well. So if for some reason I have writer's block, then I just look at my content calendar and start from there. It's usually pretty easy to start writing and to continue to write. I think a main reason is because I do have, you know, a content calendar that, that helps me. There are some times when I write ahead of time and when it comes closer to publishing, I will review it, uh, the piece, and just make sure that everything's accurate because a lot of times, especially with social media, the terminology will change. And so it's important for you whenever you publish something to have the most updated terminology and, and strategies as well because and tools and recommendations, you know, so many things. I really love the idea that Buffer has put out and Buffer is a scheduling software and it schedules your social media. I like the way that they have their promotion, like their own Buffer blog and how they structure that. So for them, it's 10% tips, 80% social media tips, Uh, And then the other 10%, it's announcements, so product announcements. So I like this because they are using 10% to promote their own buffer tips, so how to use their software better. 80% is more of a general view of like social media trends and what's happening and ideas. And the last 10% is about products uh, announcements, so something that's being released or a different way to use a tool or a resource that they have in in their service. I like this idea and and using a content calendar, you are better able to kind of shift these ideas and and kind of put them into more perspective so that you're not overdoing one part and then ignoring a lot of your audience by not doing another. For example, some you might find that in some seasons uh, your percentages might change. Maybe you launch your membership course, you know, every quarter. And so during when that quarter is approaching, maybe your advertisement goes up. But you are able to kind of see these trends. And the more you're able to look at them closely, the better then you're able to market, the better you're able to identify when to start marketing, like not too far in advance and not too short in the timeline. So you really get a feeling of your audience and what works for you. ConvertKit did say in a study, and I'll link all of this in the blog post, that 52% of people, so a little over half, write, edit, and publish all within 24 hours. Now, it might work for some people, like if you're doing something like a day trading, right? You want to talk about the stock, the hottest stock that day. 
then maybe that will work. But when you're reading, when you're writing, proofreading, editing, and publishing, there's going to be some mistakes usually that are that are going to go unnoticed, and then they're going to be published. And the reality is, is that when people start seeing grammatical mistakes, spelling mistakes, um, maybe you say, "Look at the picture below," and there is no picture there. People start to lose interest, and they don't see it as quality information because there's a lot of missing pieces. So you want to be mindful of that. And if you are writing, publishing, proofreading in 24 hours, consider doing a content calendar. It doesn't have to be for the entire year. It could just be for the next three weeks. So you're just three weeks ahead of time and you just know what's coming up. It doesn't have to be very long and it also doesn't have to be very specific. You can have anchors, right? So for example, Blogging Business Owner talks a lot about marketing, social media, writing, online businesses. Those are all anchors. So I could say, you know, the first week of the month, I'm always going to talk about marketing. The second week of the month, right? And then when I'm approaching that week, as far as like prepping, I could just think about just one zone of genius, just marketing or just you know, whatever your anchor is. So you you can make it as specific as you want and you can also leave some flexibility in there. The biggest thing is for you to be prepared with your content so that you don't feel overwhelmed, you are consistent, and you're bringing value uh, to your readership. There's many benefits to a content calendar, but just to summarize them, it especially if you're a business owner and you lead your team, it makes sure that all the different pieces are falling into place when they need to be done, especially if you have a team again. And also if you have a massive business and you're running it by yourself, there's going to be a lot of things that are missed um, if you don't keep track of them, because most of the time we don't work on one project and then get it done. It's usually... Uh, batching. And that's just the reality of it. So, you know, have a way to keep track of it. Like, for example, for a blogging business owner, we, I do a blog post, a newsletter, a podcast, and a short video, like maybe like three minutes long, that kind of just looks at like one part of the entire blog. Um, There's other things I go into that, but those are like the major things. And I need to be able to make all of that happen every time that I have a blog post. So I use a Trello board and I just kind of move my cards down the line as I'm going. Some days I have very little time to work on my blog, but I don't want to, you know, waste my time. So I might do smaller tasks. And that means that maybe, you know, I'm jumping from article to article and that works for me. Sometimes I have more time and then I could focus on kind of the longer things like recording a podcast, editing a podcast that takes, you know, at least two hours, um, at least for, for myself, that's what it takes. Now, if you're working with the team, it's super important that you do have these structures so that you're not consistently managing the team because you are the creative, you're the writer, even if somebody else writes for you, still you, you do some part of writing, even if it's just the proofreading or editing. I mean, there is something involved with, you know, with the blogging, especially if you're leading a team, it's super important that everybody's on the same page and that everybody's working to their fullest potential because the reason you hired them is because they're professionals at what they do and they know what to do. It's just that you're leading them as to how their skills tie into your business and and how you know people can cross function and so it's really important that that there is some guidance and that they're self-directed and that you're you're not having to you know write a 
daily email or something like that, you know, because it's that's basically all you're going to be doing is being an administrator, which you're a creative. So, you know, that that's what that's where we need you. Now, the other part of, you know, having a content calendar is because you are going to get to a point where you need to make money, right? Because you're a blogging business owner. And so you need to consistently promote, but you don't always need to promote in a way that is very open. Um, Maybe your business is like that. Maybe you're doing an Instagram live every morning or you're posting TikToks, you know, on a daily basis. So maybe that is your business or that's the way that it's being ran. Uh, I know some social media managers do that because social media changes so much that they do have to do that. But, you know, if if whether you have daily updates or you're able to kind of, you know, spread those out a little bit more, maybe, you know, put some more days in between where you can prepare. Either way, you need some type of content calendar so that you are able to kind of follow and then follow up, right? So how are you going to include all of the daily updates with your promotions? Maybe you are doing it, you know, every day with a live, or maybe you're doing it in different ways, right? You're embedding some type of swipe up into your stories, or maybe you're promoting it through your YouTube channel or your podcast. So there's different ways to promote and having a content calendar is going to help you because you can align those or you can spread them out kind of based on your audience need. Just kind of going back to guiding a team, a content calendar is going to help them see kind of the long-term goal. I think when people have enough experience in the field, that is just something that they are consistently aligning with and whatever decisions they're making, they're making it because in the long term, it will make sense because they do feel that they're part of a community and they don't see themselves departing from that team. They want to be part of that vision. They they feel heard and, and they feel like, you know, they are a valuable member of that community. That is where we want to be. So by providing a plan, people are better able to plan in advance if a plan is not there you know and and you're working with like freelancers maybe you're hiring someone every other week or you know which is normal at the beginning of a business it's really normal to you know if you if you haven't done hiring before it's difficult to hire and to identify talent and then to work with the talent so if you are going through those stages that is completely normal. Uh, but at some point, you do want to find your team and you do want to do everything possible to make the work day or the work that everybody's producing satisfying and, and a true representation of your skills and as a community and also individually. So those are just some things to think about. Uh, always think about you know, your customers, you always want to nurture them. And part of that is also nurturing your team and nurturing yourself as well so that you can consistently keep going. Okay, let's go on to three ways a calendar can improve your content creation. So the first one is launches and promotion. So if you're planning to promote something or to launch a service or a project, having a content calendar really helps because you are able to align all of your uh, different channels and be able to put out, you know, those promotions, those contents, and so forth. One of the ways that, you know, that does get a little bit kind of tricky is when you don't exactly have the product or the service ready, but you are pre-promoting it, if that makes sense. So for example, right now, I'm creating a course. And actually, I'm creating a couple of courses, and that might be why <laughs> like it's slowing down, but stay with me. So what I had to do is I created a wait list. And now people are able to sign up to the wait list. 
And as they sign up, I start to see how much interest is generated into the academies. And that way I'm able to market, fine tune my content to make sure that it, it is a addressing the points that people want to hear about. I did create a form, a landing page, and I am creating the course at the same time. Now, if you have more money in your budget and you're thinking about doing ads, then that means that you possibly have to schedule a photo shoot or a video shoot or, you know, get the props ready, whatever that means to your business. If, especially if your business really booms in the holiday season, like a lot of businesses do, especially those that sell products, then you're looking at things like shipping and uh, addressing orders, right? Because it's people going on vacation because it is such a busy time of year. And so all those things need to come into consideration. So have a content calendar, even if you only have a content calendar for your launches and promotions, that is a great place to start. Second point, align your tasks with your goal. So you know the business cycle, you grow, you nurture, you grab revenue, right? And then it kind of keeps going and going and going. This is sort of a long term, like even saying growth for a brand new business, it, it could be about two years, three years, something like that. It it could be, you know, a longer time. Everybody's a little bit different. Some people go through it a lot faster. And the thing is that you are just going to keep cycling through it, right? You're going to grow, you're going to add revenue, you're going to nurture your audience. Sometimes you're doing all of them at once, just there's different cycles overlapping each other. Make sure that your short-term goals are aligning to your long-term goals, So when you're thinking about your business and you want to think about, you know, I want to make 25,000 this year, I want to um, get 10,000 subscribers on Instagram, whatever your long-term goal is, make sure that your short-term goals help you to get to your long-term goal. Some people like to call them benchmarks. I think that's a good way to look at it. It, it doesn't always have to be, you know, by March, I'm going to get these many. By It might just be, you know, whatever works for you. But make sure that those are aligned. So just to help you out, some of the metrics that show you that your business is on track are things like your you list your revenue streams. So maybe... You have one revenue stream. It's not bringing in a lot of money right now or maybe no money, uh, but that's fine. You're not really looking at the number. You're looking at the revenue streams. So I started my podcast and I started my blog. Um, And you can just think of those as two revenue streams, not right now, maybe in the long term, and you're working on them as, as time goes on. And you just keep count, right, of how many ways you can earn money Uh, later on or even sooner. So that might be one way that you can kind of uh, measure your progress towards your business goals. You could analyze your funnels as well. You can see how many people landed on my landing page, how many people actually signed up for my wait list. Was it too many clicks and people got tired and maybe now they didn't sign up for the wait list. So you also want to analyze those. You want to analyze the increase in traffic to your funnels or even the decrease in in traffic. You know that in the summertime, people tend to go out. They want to be with their family and their friends and they're doing sports. So they might not be going you know, on the computer as much. That's just a trend. Uh, you could see it in Google Trends. I think I have a an article about this as well. Um, So it's just a trend. It happens in the summertime. It happens. Uh, But, you know, being mindful of those changes, but also looking at, you know, what's the what's the lowest my business goes to as far as traffic? Um, Is it maybe 10 sessions a month? You know, so that as you create a baseline, then you're able to see when it dips low and when it dips high. And then you're able to kind of curve it a little bit more. That's something else to consider. Again, these are not to be considered like all the time. It just, these are just metrics for you. 
based on different goals. Uh, so just consider these metrics. Think about your goal first and then think, you know, is this a metric that would be helpful for me to look at? Two more. Nurture your audience and learn more about what helps them purchase. This could be done through polls, just regular comments. Maybe some you have a contact me page, which is super important. So if you don't have one, have one. In general, you're gauging how much your audience is engaging with you, how satisfying your content is, and you know, is there something that you need to grow in? Maybe you're lacking something or maybe, you know, you are very strong in one and maybe there's opportunity in somewhere else. So maybe you could even do like a SWOT analysis of your business or your content and see where your audience, you know, is is asking for more. And lastly, and you know, this is not an exhaustive list, is increase your revenue and devise a way to make money. So this is really about you thinking ahead. And maybe it's not something that you established already, but it's something that can lead you there. So for example, when you are a brand new uh, blogger, content creator, and you don't have a, a reputation, uh, right? You're a brand new uh, brand. It's going to be harder for you to get sponsorships just because people don't know you. You're starting out from scratch and it's going to take some time for you to build your audience up. So m- maybe later on, you're looking at revenue streams, right? Like, for example, most bloggers. Well, a lot of bloggers make between zero and two thousand dollars a month, right? But there are a percentage of bloggers that make two thousand to uh, seven point five thousand a month. That is, you know, that that's pretty good. Uh, that it, it, there's some that make over twenty five thousand, right? But let's say you think about it and you say, I think my niche, you know, it's 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 kind of broad, like mine, blogging business owner. And you might not, let's see, like in your own mind, right? Maybe you think maybe, you know, 7.5 is probably going to be good for me. And that's your goal long term. And then you think about, you know, how much money podcasters make, how much money books make, and so on. And you just start kind of planning, like, once I get to this point of my career, I'm going to start coaching, maybe, or writing books, so on. So you kind of kind of build your career up so that you're looking at that long term goal. Okay, the second thing about why content calendars are so important is really consistency. I think that's just like bare bones. Um, you can have really awesome content, but if you're not consistent, it's like people are not going to come back unless your content is like mind blowing awesome. Uh, so there, there is um, a YouTuber that I really like. He makes amazing videos, really detailed videos. And I'm not the only one. I mean, he has this very strong following and he only has five videos up. (laughs) And each video is just phenomenal. But in between each video, there are about like one, two, even three months in between where we don't hear from him at all. Like he's not posting on the community. Uh, He doesn't have a subreddit. It's just all he does is like pump out the videos and we all love them, but they're just so far apart. But now that he's produced five videos, the audience members like myself, we all know that it's going to take about three months, right, to get the next video. And we're fine with it because they're such high quality. So there's some people that can get away with that. There's other people that um, need to publish more often. Find your rhythm, find what your audience needs. Um, you know, as you know, the highest reason of why people unsubscribe from an email list is because they get too many emails, right? So that is also, you know, something to think about is like, is it too often, 
Like, what's the frequency? What's the best frequency for me? And then just being consistent. And I say that's like bare bottom, <laughs> the consistency, because whatever you're publishing, you just have to keep going in order for it to be acknowledged by the algorithm. That's just how it works. So be consistent, please. <laughs> That's just whatever you're doing, even if you know it's unfinished work, just go ahead and post it and, and meet your deadlines. Basically, those are the three things. So to create a blogging schedule or just a content calendar um, in general is you align your tasks with your goals. You're consistent and you focus on your major deadlines like launches and promotions. Those are super important. Okay, so you might be wondering right now, how do I create a content calendar? Okay, so let's talk about how to plan, create, and, and manage. So your first step is really to identify your long-term goals like we were talking about. So very popular long-term goals are like, for example, social media. A lot of people want to get to 10,000 followers on Instagram because you can do the swipe ups. Many people want to get to 30,000 watch hours on YouTube because then you can start with monetization. Um, many people want to be at 10 plus million monthly views on Pinterest because then you you kind of you know gain authority and people are more reliable and um, your numbers are up and so on. As far as income, a lot of people look at making about 5000 from affiliates because once you start making money from affiliates, it gets like easier and easier to make it. And we know that bloggers who are in that 0 to $2,000 a month uh, earnings bump up to the next, you know, 2 to 7.5 because of affiliates, most of them, um, not all of them, right? Other people have other ways, but most of them will kind of pass that hurdle with affiliate marketing. Uh, maybe your income is like, I want to make a total of 25000 you know, in revenue, revenue. So not income, right? Revenue. So I want to make sure that, you know, I, I pump out this much for whatever reason. Maybe you want to make a total career change and that's your long-term goal if you own your own website uh, or or you have some type of you know website where you post you might want to look at traffic and say things like i want to make it to sixty thousand monthly sessions because we know that when you own your own website and you get about sixty thousand sessions per month you have an opportunity to have better advertisement, like um, Mediavine, for example, like that. That gives you so much more money than Google AdSense. So you might be, you know, that might be your focus. And then lastly, your email subscribers. So you know that one of the ways that, or, or one of the kind of identifiers of people that are going to make 25 K plus per month are people that are able to continuously grow their email list. That means retaining and growing, right? You're not just like getting more subscribers, but also losing subscribers. People that consistently grow their email list, um, they tend to be in the 25K plus group. So for you, it, you know, if, if that's somewhere where you kind of ultimately want to be, then growing your email list is going to be one of those indicators that you want to look for. And maybe, you know, getting to the first hundred is going to be a lot harder than getting to your second hundred. So you may want to focus or put a lot of effort into growing into the first hundred because then you can kind of see, you know, like where you're heading a little bit better. Anyways. Those are just some metrics. Uh, some people like to do like a five-three-one plan. So, for example, in five years, I want to make this my full-time career. So, in three years, I will consistently make twenty thousand dollars a month. Uh, and in one year, I am going to launch my website. 
So this is for like super beginner, right? It usually takes people a lot longer than five years, but again, it varies. But this might be kind of your overall one, three, five year. You can do it all different kinds of ways, but this is just kind of a common way to do it. And now for a break, stay with us. Hey, it's Anna, and the newsletter is open right now at bloggingbusinessowner.com slash newsletter. My newsletter is the most comprehensive service for blogging business owners. Each week, the newsletter focuses on strategies, features, and the benefits for online businesses. The Blogging Business Owner newsletter is the number one way that I get to connect with you each week. Having the newsletter is what drives traffic to my site every single day. So dive in now at bloggingbusinessowner.com slash newsletter. Bloggingbusinessowner.com slash N-E-W-S-L-E-T-T-E-R. That's bloggingbusinessowner.com slash newsletter. Hey, it's Anna. And I want to personally invite you to try the ConvertKit free plan. It's time to tackle email marketing the right way. Go to bloggingbusinessowner.com slash ConvertKit. ConvertKit will help you start your mailing list in no time. That's bloggingbusinessowner.com slash ConvertKit. So when we're talking about planning and managing and then actually implementing uh, your content calendar, a big part of it is to choose your channels and think about what is going to align best with your brand. When you think about social media, you don't have to be in every social network. Um, it's it's really time consuming, and I think it's really up to you whether you want to, you know, how you want to use your time. But there are certain avenues that do a little better for some than others. So, for example, we know that Facebook Lives do really well, uh, more for like coaching and. Um, kind of like product selling, things like that. Twitter does really good with finance, uh, does awesome for uh, signing up for a newsletter. Uh, So doing like Twitter threads. Every social channel is a little bit different. And so just finding what works best for your business is really important. And knowing that it's going to change. So kind of looking at the company and things like that. Okay. A second avenue or a second channel that you can also look at. It's, you know, just sales, straight up sales. So whether you want to be doing like one-on-one sales, maybe telephone sales, maybe in-store sales. So what channel are you going to be using? If you have physical products and you have a store, then you possibly have two ways of selling your product, right? You can put it on display like on a a shelf in your physical store. You can also have it on Amazon and you can also have it on Etsy or maybe you have your Shopify store. So just thinking about how do I want to sell this the best? One-on-one calls might be like coaching calls. Maybe, you know, that's the way that you get to sell to someone, which actually it's a really effective way of selling. Third way is your website. And this is kind of a slower way to do it, but it is it is pretty good. It's ranking on, on the search engine. So for me, it's Google. And for a lot of us, it's going to be Google. So making sure that your website is very tight as far as like your load speed and you your links are not broken, so on. That's another way because you if somebody were to search on Google search, which a lot of people do, and they search, uh, you know, I don't know, banana boat or something like that, you want to be one of the first ones that kind of comes up uh, after the advertisements, or maybe you're advertising. So you want to be one of the ones that comes up so that people can find you first. Audio visual marketing is really important as well. Uh, you might do a podcast where you're being filmed. Uh, you might be doing a live session. You might just be filming, uh, I'm sorry, recording a podcast, editing, and then putting it back um, out. Uh, 
I sometimes do um, green room, Spotify green room, where it's a live room and I record the podcast that way. And then I have people come into the room and they ask questions or they chime in or they give like really great insight. And I think that really helps because it does make it more conversational. And at the same time, I'm also understanding more about my audience and I'm able to weave in that um, knowledge into the podcast, which will ultimately be beneficial, more beneficial to you. So I go ahead and tweet about it whenever I'm going to go live. And you can find that at bloggingbusinessowner.com slash Twitter. Video might be a good way for you to go if you're doing how to Uh, especially, for example, like how to cook, how to build, how to so on. That might be something that you are considering. Maybe you're not, you know, these are just channels, but really do think about the channels that are going to work best for your business, what you're most comfortable with, and what you can be consistent with. Not everything has to be done at the same time. Like for my business, I gave you the example of how every time I do a blog post, I do all the other tasks. It it doesn't have to be like that for you. It it could be at random times. Like um, I only post a YouTube video every month, for example. You might be thinking that, but you publish a post every other week. So the frequency is a little bit different. Just find what works for you, but really do think about the channels. Um, And you could even think about them in a timeline sort of way so that you know when you're going to start jumping on different channels. Okay, number three, think about your pillars. So when you have your business, you're going to have different zones of genius. So segmenting your, your big idea into different areas. I'll give you examples. So social media marketers, their zones of or genius or their anchors or their pillars could be things like social media tips, content tips, business owner tips, promotions, and storytelling. So those might be like their big five and all their content is tied to one of them, which is ultimately tied to social media marketing. If you work in a clothing boutique, maybe your content pillars or anchors are things like new arrivals, how to style, fashion trends, brand storytelling, and user-generated content, like people trying on your clothes and then tagging you, something like that. If you're a hairstylist, your pillars could be clients before and after, DIY hair tutorials, I love those by the way, hair education, product recommendations, and service offerings. So do you see like every content does have its own pillars? And I'll give you one last example, but I really want you to think about what are your pillars and think about maybe like six um, it doesn't have to be six, but kind of stretch it. Okay, the last one would be something like stationary designer. Maybe their pillars are things like behind the scenes, design tips, client showcase, favorite products, and DIY tutorials. Okay, so I think you kind of understand, and maybe you're thinking about creators where you've seen them do kind of some of these strategies. Think about it for for your business as well. And you can totally take these as well. If like if you're a hairstylist and you want to start promoting your business online, this might be a good way to do it. I know that there are so many artists that are coming up on TikTok and are just getting so much clientele because they're promoting themselves. I mean, somebody in their city might be doing the same job, but because that person's promoting themselves, it just seems like um, like um, it, it's more valuable because of that brand they're building online. Okay, step four. You want to decide on your publishing frequency. Again, it doesn't have to be every week. Just think about what's best for you, what's best for your audience. And the biggest tip here is build flexibility. So when you have a content calendar, it is a lot easier uh, because you 
are planning ahead of time. You don't want to be in a situation where you feel overwhelmed. You you are going to feel some days like you don't want to do it or you're even going to, you know, have impromptu things that happen. Maybe you go on vacation all of a sudden. <laughs> you weren't planning on it and now you you're on vacation. Those are interruptions in your business, but it, you know, it's okay if that happens behind the scenes, but it shouldn't be noticeable, you know, to your customers. So build flexibility and just know life happens and, you know, we, we're just flexible. Number five, update and review your plan. At some point, it is going to kind of plateau. It's kind of like every day, every day you're doing the same thing. Or, you know, your numbers are just like, you're not making more sales, you're not making less sales, you're just like kind of plateauing, or you're having that problem about you are getting more subscribers into your email list, but you're also losing the same amount. So you're just kind of at a just plateau, right? Just that line. So include regular audits into your content. Uh, For blogging business owners like you are, There are two types of audits. Of course, there's so many more types of audits. But as far as just like just looking at your blog and your kind of your channels, the ones that we talked about, you do want to look at two different things. So you do want to look at a content audit. So what is it that you're actually putting out out there? Do you have the right keywords? A big example of this is if you're making, you know, this is July 2021 at the time of the recording. If you're putting out TikToks on how to make the best Pinterest stories, oh goodness, that is so three months ago, (laughs) right? Because now they changed it. Now it's called Idea Pins. It's important to keep up with keywords. Now you want to optimize for the search engine. What is the most popular? What's happening? You know, what? how are you embedding those trends into your content, which is important. Evergreen content is important, but also trends are important. So finding a happy medium in between the two for every piece is super um, beneficial to you. Update your links. Um, a lot of affiliates will just kind of change their offers. And so it's important for you to go through and update those links. I love using Pretty Links. Uh, there's also another software, but Pretty Links is, is awesome because if you make a link like, um, for example, earlier I told you bloggingbusinessowner.com slash Twitter. Even if I were to make another Twitter for some reason, and I put that into the back end, you don't have to change what you're putting into your keyboard because I'm just directing you in different ways. Now, this is super important with affiliate links. If it's allowed, okay, you got to look into your terms of service and stuff. But if it's allowed for you to have a different link to represent it, then as soon as they change the link, right, that the affiliate link, then you're just able to kind of change it in the back end. And then automatically, wherever you've posted that link, um, it because it's cloaked now, then you're able to redirect everybody um, on the same link. I hope that makes sense. It, it, it makes sense once you have like a lot of content out there, because ultimately, you're not going to remember where all these links are. So if you're able to just kind of have a central place to change it in the back end, it just makes it super easy. And then of course, update your images and videos. Things are always changing, especially when WordPress updates. Things change. Some videos, some images might get a little too heavy. Um, your plugin might not be working, so on. So make sure that those things are done. Now, the second type of audit that I'm going to talk about today is also your channel audit. So yes, yeah, so you do have all these channels, right? And maybe you're thinking ahead and already have some channels in mind, it's important still to do an audit on your channels. One is you want to make sure that your strategy is meeting the demand. So if there's people that want more, that you are meeting that demand. If they want less, they're meeting that. If there's people that like to listen to your podcast 
in the car and don't like to see it on YouTube that you're creating it, you know, like a, a podcast on the radio or, or wherever you're broadcasting Spotify. You want to look at the frequency as well and the funnels, the engagement, and then overall your analytics, you know, if, if, if you're meeting those benchmarks that you want to be meeting. Okay, I'm going to summarize really quick how to create a content calendar. So four things here. Event, time frame, channels, and delegation. So whenever you're creating a content calendar, this is kind of especially, I mean, it is for everybody, but more so when you are guiding a team and you're letting them know, you know, what, what needs to be done is first of all, you do want to be very clear on what needs to be done, right? And maybe you even have like categories or a common section, so on. You want to give a deadline and it's, I love Trello because it is really easy to kind of give a deadline and even the due date turns red. So that makes it like more visual. So I like that part, but you have your own way um, as well. And you tell them exactly what you need. Uh, You tell them when the blog post is going to be done. And then you say who is responsible for this task. That's super important because you don't want to just put things out there because if you... if you just put it out there, this needs to be done, so-and-so, and it's not delegated and someone's not assigned to it, it's super easy for it to fall through because people won't take responsibility, right? Like, why would they <laughs> take on more tasks than what they have to? So just be super clear, it's, you know, with yourself as well, be clear about, you know, what you need to get done. Choose a format to organize your content calendar I mean, some people love to use colors. Other people use Excel sheets, Trello, whatever. I mean, (laughs) people just get super creative. Be very clear on what it means. So if yellow means sales, then it always has to mean sales, right? Like you can't be changing it because it's it's going to confuse you. It's going to confuse everybody else. There needs to be some type of legend where you're, you know, being very explicit about what colors mean. If you're using multiple tools, which is very common, then you also want to be very clear about what tool is used for what. And not everybody has to have access to all the tools if it doesn't involve them. So just because you have all the tools, it doesn't mean everybody else needs to have all the tools. If they just have the tools that they need, that is more than enough. And you as the administrator, or if you've hired someone to be the administrator or manager, whatever you call them, it's, you know, just no cognitive overload. <laughs> I think it's it's the most important. So just to mention... Some of these, you know, softwares that you might want to take into consideration. I said Trello before because I use it. So, I mean, I think Trello is a really good thing. You can use it for free. Um, there is a, it's a collaboration management tool. You can pay a monthly fee or I think annual as well. If you kind of like start using a lot of the automation features like the Butler, you can do that as well. There's HubSpot. Um, You can go on HubSpot. I'll link it in the blog post. You can actually download free editorial calendar templates that you can kind of browse and see what is going to reflect the best uh, for your business and then just download it and then start writing into it or, you know, do it online. CoSchedule offers a calendar view of your tasks with easy-to-use emojis that help quickly identify the tasks. One of the great features of CoSchedule is that you are able to create tasks and then assign them to various team members. So this makes delegation a lot easier. And then you have like a sweet calendar, right, where things can be seen and people can see what's going on long-term, short-term. This is for like visual uh, people. Google Sheets is super um, 
common. I use Google Sheets uh, for my content calendar. So I use Trello for my tasks, like how am I going to, you know, complete this task? Or, and then Google Sheets, I just use it like uh, this week I'm publishing this, so on and so on. You can use Airtable as well. I've heard that, you know, people who just can't really work with Trello, can't really work with Excel, they'll go into Airtable and that's their solution. And so that, um, I haven't tried it, but I, I hear that it's, it's a very good software for people who just basically people who don't like Trello and Excel. Uh, and it helps you again, organize your content and use it for your blog. And it also tracks your progress. Uh, and the last one I'm going to talk about, it's also very popular, it's called Asana, and is a tool for planning and tra- uh, tracking projects. I've heard such good things about Asana. I honestly wanted to get it before I even hopped on Trello, just because they have great branding, and it really looked like a really great software. Uh, it was just so expensive, and for me to lead myself... <laughs> And then pay for this, like it just didn't make a lot of sense. But if you have a big team, you know, Asana might be worth it uh, and be worth the price. And then, you know, lastly, before we just kind of go into questions and tips, it's how to manage your content calendar. I think the biggest thing for you is just ask yourself, you know, did we plan adequately? You know, if you didn't meet your numbers or your sales or your traffic, whatever it is, look back. You'll have the data because you have a content calendar and you're able to see, you know, what was met, what wasn't met, maybe what was late and think, was this an adequate plan? Is there anything we could do, take away, do differently, start early? You know, just think about all the possibilities. Also think about just internally, if you're a one man team, if you're multiple people team, then you want to think about your supports and your structures. What would help you meet those goals better? So maybe you've been doing a software for free, but if you paid, you know, that monthly, it would just make it a lot easier, like Trello automations, right? Maybe it's just easier. Uh, So you might just kind of go ahead and do that, make that, you know, that's a small and fast change to make. Uh, So that might be something to do. Or maybe, um, you know, your graphic designer needs help. And, you know, you're going to have to hire like an assistant or something. Just looking at the supports and the structures, maybe, you know, communication could be clear and more streamlined. Um, I, I think it's super important. And I think a team does so much better when everybody feels a sense of ownership and they feel like, you know, their professional skills are really being, you know, um, used to their full potential. And if they're creatives, even more so. If you're able to have an open conversation and take feedback, you know, uh, for your business and then implement it, uh, I think that will help. And sometimes you know just kind of trying different things it doesn't have to be forever right you maybe just try different things and maybe it works maybe it doesn't Um, but I think just becoming very flexible with your business is super important all right let's go to tips and frequently asked questions first question what content calendar does blogging business owner use so I use a combination of two I use Trello and Google Sheets. And Trello is kind of like an everyday thing. Google Sheets is more about long term. And I really do stick by the suggestions that I made in in the blog post growth strategy. Um, So I'll link it to the blog post, uh, but I really do stick to them. So if you want to know exactly like my strategy behind uh, growing my business, because I am at an early stage, uh, then go ahead and check that out. Thank you. Next question. Is there a wrong way to do content calendars? Okay, yes and no. Um, (laughs) Basically, is you just want to be consistent, right? So the very basic parts of a content calendar is event, time frame, channels, 
and person responsible or persons responsible. So if you're leading a team, you want to make sure that there is training on how to use the tools, how to understand the content calendar some way, right? Whatever way works for you, there has to be some type of training and there has to be time and money allotted to that. That there is ample time for team members to familiarize themselves with the format and the platform. There are going to be mistakes that happen. Make sure that you're giving time for those mistakes and that they're not going to impact your business um, in, in a very significant way. Encourage questions and open dialogue with no lead. You don't have to lead these conversations. You can provide a platform. Listen in. Encourage feedback and input, right? Even if it hurts, <laughs> you know, feedback is really important. Um, a very popular way is to do it anonymously. Uh, but I think it's, if, if you're in a, in a team that you trust and you love and you're all part of a community, I think that, you know, they're going to, they're going to tell you what they need with kindness. Um, if you're not in that type of community, you know, it, it's not good for your mental health. So change or reframe or something. Enable and encourage ongoing collaborations on the platform. So have, encourage them to go on the platform, do something. Maybe you're saying, oh, I left you notes on your whatever, on the Trello board, you know, or some, like, encourage for them to go there, to not be dependent on you, but to go to the actual, you know, source, I think it's really important. And then incorporate the feedback and adjustments, you know, with consensus, and not, and just kind of choose your voting system. Uh, You know, if maybe it's agree, disagree, or maybe it's more, um, restorative where ultimately you make the decision okay so those are tips for the team and then if you're a one person team then you want to think about what works best for you um time of day time of year so so on add all the components in one place so as much as possible just have a couple of platforms that you work off of you if you work in too many platforms, yes, it's beneficial to your business, but at the same time, if it's overly complicated, it's going to be difficult to put something out because a lot of time is spent on management. Be mindful of adjustments and find a platform that allows undos. <laughs> uh, so things are going to happen, right? And then focus on the content, not the content calendar. So if you find that you're always changing your content calendar and now purple means something and now blue means, you know, we're spending too much time there, shift it. Make sure that you're spending it on creating your content and pushing it out because that's really what's going to matter. It's what's in the front end. I'm going to give you like a bunch of like resources. I think that they were super helpful uh, when creating this uh, piece. I'm going to post them all on the blog post. But, you know, just to wrap it up, a content calendar is super great. If you want to have a marketing strategy, whatever your goal is, you're going to get to it in a much clearer way if you have some type of plan that you're executing. And this is a great time to remind you that the holidays are coming up. So if you are wanting to make some money, which a lot of money is there to be made from the holiday season, you you know, it's it's best if you start thinking about it now. Think about your promotion, your management, your crafting, designing it. How are you going to put it out there? You know, are you, where is your audience? <laughs> are you building your audience on the platform that you need it to be? So on. If your goal is much further, um, you know, then start thinking about it anyhow. Maybe start dipping into social medias and, and that could be your calendar is how am I going to identify where my community is or where where I can get those listeners. Please get yourself a content calendar. I'm going to like just pour so many resources into this blog post because I really do think that it's important for you to plan. It doesn't have to be anything complicated. Plenty of people I know who have um they just run an email list, right? They they do like um 
every week or so on, they post a Substack newsletter, for example, or a Medium story. And all they do is that they go in there and they just draft something. They put just a title and then they have them all in drafts. That's their content calendar. Because they just have ideas written down that they're later going to, you know, like, write longer on and then publish it. But at least they have, you know, that bucket there. And they're going to get published. And if their deadline is every week, every two weeks, they have those things there. It doesn't have to be complicated. Have a plan, manage it, execute it, and reflect on it. Thank you so much for listening today and for joining me. I really, really appreciate it. And again, for the show notes, it is bloggingbusinessowner.com slash 26. All right, take care, everybody. Thank you for connecting with us. It's always a pleasure and privilege to share time with you. Subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast platform where you can consume our podcast and leave a review on Apple Podcasts and comment on the blog post. You can find the show notes by going to bloggingbusinessowner.com slash show notes. I'm your co-host, Anna. And this is your co-host, Chaitanya. Thanks for joining us and listening to us today. I hope you have a wonderful day. So as you know, I have been in the podcasting space for some weeks now, and I have been very lucky to produce successful episodes. If you want to hear more episodes, go to bloggingbusinessowner.com slash podcast. Access the one stop to subscribe to your favorite platform and connect with us online. That's bloggingbusinessowner.com slash podcast.